0: So the that word jingoistic that Rotten Tomatoes use use Yes, you, sure. That's sort of the the vein you're trying to describe.
1: Yes, the ten dollar word that I don't know how to pronounce. That one, <laughs> That's the one. Yep, that's it. Welcome to episode seventy-seven of the Movie Bite Podcast, a show all about movies, movie reviews, movie news, trailers, and more. We're recording on Tuesday, January twenty-eighth, twenty fourteen. I'm TJ, your host. And joining me today is our very own special member of the Movie Bite Navy SEAL team, Chad Hopkins. How are you, Chad?
0: I am all right, TJ. How how's, are you? How's the
1: special forces treating you?
0: Uh, they're special.
1: Excellent. <laughs> you wearing your uh your uh, navy uh, navy uniform today?
0: Yes, I'm in my full navy uh, Movie Bite SEAL getup.
1: Excellent. Well, because our colors are like red and gold, it, it wouldn't be your typical Navy SEAL uniform. It would be uh, a little different, right? Well, just a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> Speaking of uh, wearing a uniform, I'm I'm wearing something kind of special for the podcast tonight, and I, I know that this is a this is a show where you can't see us, you can only hear us. But I just felt like it would give me a little bit more, uh, of a, of a get me in the in the right frame of mind for the podcast. Can you guess what I'm wearing?
0: It wouldn't so happen to be that Star Trek uh, shirt that you posted on Facebook, would it? Yeah,
1: baby oh man it's pretty cool <laughs> yeah i i you know i'm yeah i'm pretty happy with this my sister got it uh for me uh for uh my birthday which was yesterday i'm gonna put a link to this in the show notes uh happy birthday tj oh thank you yes i i turn uh 25 <clears throat> oh yes <laughs> <laughs> um yes so anyway I'm, I'm i'm a much older person than i like to admit uh yeah, so she got me this really cool shirt. I'll put a link to it in the show notes uh, where I posted it on Instagram, and you can check that out. It's uh, it's Spock and uh, Kirk and McCoy and Scotty, and the Enterprise is above them firing phasers, and it says Star Trek on it. So it sounds kind of boring, but it looks totally awesome.
0: It does look pretty cool. I'm kind of jealous.
1: Yes. Uh, well, I I'm mean, wearing
0: a Star sh- uh, Star Wars shirt at the moment.
1: Uh, well, Joe Joe, our my former podcast uh, co co star, he would he would appreciate that more, I think. Yeah. He's not as big of a Star Trek fan. So I'm sure he would approve. Wherever you're at, Joe, I'm, I'm sure that uh, you would approve. So. <laughs> but that's okay. I, I prefer Star Trek. So uh, I'm, I'm going to wear this. I never
0: would have guessed.
1: Ah, yes. I'm one of those. I'm one of the nerds <laughs> who, uh, you know, is not destined to make anything of himself, apparently. Apparently. So uh, let's talk about a few things. Uh, Chad, what do you say? Sounds good. All right. So, first of all, first up is uh, Atlas Shrugged 3, which is an actual thing apparently that is actually going to be happening. I, uh, it's crazy to me uh, because uh <laughs> man, the history of this this thing is not Did you watch either of the previous two films?
0: No, I didn't.
1: Well, there I mean, I think you're better off. I mean, this thing is just so incohesive. So, so they they uh they did the first Atlas Shrugged and, and – even even though I may have like an, a certain affinity for some of Anne Rand's uh, political leanings, not all of them by any means, uh, but but some of them. Um, at the same time, like this this film series is has not been a, a smashing success. Um, they've made very little money on these films, and so they had a, a particular cast which didn't. The first film didn't seem very well cast, and uh, but it worked okay. Like it wasn't terrible. It just seemed like well, I don't know these people seem a little young for the roles they're playing and it just doesn't feel quite right. And they don't feel like they're the best actors in the whole world. And, uh, so yeah, I mean, it just didn't work very well, but then they like recast the whole thing for the part two of Atlas Shrugged. Just every single person was recast. And I, I I don't know. I, I guess I kind of thought, well, maybe they really were unhappy with the previous cast. And so maybe they can finish the film out with these actors. Well, Apparently not because now they've recast it completely again i I, I really don't understand
0: <laughs> i don't know for for reference on Rotten Tomatoes, the first film has an eleven percent approval, and uh the second one has a five percent approval,
1: yeah, I actually like the second one a little better myself, but uh I, I can see i mean I wouldn't give it a much higher approval rating i don't remember i don't remember what I rated and we, we did talk about the films uh I'll put this in the show notes uh, on the movie Bite podcast episode fifteen um and uh, so, uh, I'm looking and trying to see what I rated it. I don't really remember. It doesn't matter. They're they're, they're not great films, um, yeah. and and it's too bad because they could be. But they're just they're in you know nobody who makes good films wants to make these films because they're you know they're certainly very libertarian minded films, and nobody in Hollywood is really a libertarian by any means by any stretch of the imagination. Right. So, um, nobody nobody that knows how to make films wants to make these films. So. Uh, yeah, it, it's kind of a shame. And I'm not, I don't intend to see the third one because, wow, recasting it again. <laughs> I, I'm just uh, just flabbergasted. It
0: just seems a, a bit silly at this point.
1: Definitely. I mean, wh- wh- why are we going on? What's the point? And especially since uh, nobody really cared about the film. Well, I mean, it says audience 63%. So I guess there, that's the second film. Let's see what the first one was 71%. So I guess there are people out there who like it, I, I guess. Interesting. Yeah, I I don't know. I don't know. Whatever. So <laughs> anyway, so that uh the link to that uh piece will be in the show notes if you want to read more about that. Uh that was an article over on the playlist and uh then the episode there. Joe and I talked about it on the Movie Bite Podcast will also be in the show notes. Okay. Hey, I thought we would talk about uh Mike Fizzle's uh top 13 of 2013 he went a little gimmicky there he did 13 of 13 (laughs) just a little just just a little bit but um i wanted to see if you'd seen any of these uh you know there was a little bit of crossover but not a lot and i know there's one on here that's going to make you happy
0: yes we really should have
1: had him on to talk about this i guess but it was just like i was like looking for things to put in the show notes and oh, we should talk about this because he's on the podcast a lot yeah um so i really like his list for the most part so his number 13 is dallas buyers club have you seen this
0: I haven't. It's nominated for best picture though, I believe, isn't it? I believe that's correct.
1: Um, and, uh, I know Matthew McConaughey
0: is certainly nominated for, uh, best actor and Jared Leto is nominated for best
1: supporting actor. Yeah. So I suppose I'll have to get around to seeing it. I I know I saw the name Dallas buyers club somewhere around the the Oscars. So Uh, yeah, that's his number 13. Uh, he said he was able to get a sneak viewing of this movie right before he finalized his list. Um, so, uh, yeah, I mean I I'm go see it. I I'm not like I I've I've seen Matthew McConaughey around. I'm not like the hugest fan or whatever, but I don't know. We'll see. I'll try to make time to see this. I just don't see uh, I just don't see how in the world, Chad, I'm gonna see all these movies that I wanna see. No, oh, I don't know either. I'm gonna figure it out somehow. Yeah. Thor, the dark world. That's, that's fine. It's number 12. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, mine was uh, Thor, the dark world. I don't know if it was quite as high on my list. I don't remember for sure, but it, you know, that's fine. Number 12. seems yeah. Appropriate.
0: And he mentions that he liked it, uh, more than Iron Man three, uh, which made a few mistakes that he, uh, think that Thor, the dark world managed to skip over Well, no, I, I agree with that. I think, I think I did like Thor, uh, two more than I liked Iron Man three.
1: I don't know. I think I liked them both equally.
0: I think I probably rated them about the same, but I do, uh, if you recall, I think Thor was my honorable mention and Iron Man 3 wasn't on my list.
1: Yeah, I've got to look up my list because I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm having a, I I'm mean, I'm getting old, Chad. I'm getting old. <laughs> see if I can bring up the list here. Uh, why is the site being slow? Here we go. Here we go. Uh, there it is. My top 10. No, top 15. No, top 20. Uh, so let's see. Thor. Thor was number seven for me. It was a little higher than I thought. And Iron Man three was number 10. So pretty close. And they're both four stars for me. Yeah. Uh, Captain Phillips. I don't know why this film isn't higher. I mean, you know, again, but, but this could be, go back to the fact that there's just not time to see all these films. Right. Um. So Captain Phillips uh, and, and uh, he did like it. And uh, let's see, what did he say about it? The film probably stakes its claim here on the power of its two lead characters alone there have been few more powerful scenes in film from 2013 than the PTSD scene post
0: traumatic stress disorder ah, okay
1: going to say I, knew, I should know what that stands for for the post traumatic stress uh, disorder scene that tom hanks plays out on screen for us at the end of the movie i, I would agree with that that's that's I probably so. true that was a very powerful scene
0: yeah and you know this movie just came out on blu-ray and i've been debating uh making a purchase for myself as a sort of belated birthday present uh, but we'll we'll, we'll see
1: yeah, I mean it's definitely one that I'm going to have on my shelf or my virtual shelf or my physical shelf, whatever, but I'm definitely right. going to have this one because it's well worth worth having Tom Hanks, phenomenal, phenomenal actor. Um he just he he seems like he gets better with time, better with age.
0: He does. He he's had a couple of really good roles lately. Uh Captain Phillips of course and then even in Saving Mr. Banks, he was pretty good too.
1: And the guy who's the 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 uh, guy whose name I can't pronounce, uh Barkhad uh abdi or something like that yeah i mean not not to slight him in any way because his performance also made the film like without those two you wouldn't have had the film so
0: right and they're both nominated for awards
1: i approve of him being on mike's list yeah i can't really give mike too hard of time anyway if i wanted to because he's not here to defend (laughs) himself number 10 the world's end i just don't have you seen this
0: no, but I really want to. And as <sighs> probably as soon as it goes up on Netflix, I'll give it a watch.
1: People keep telling me I need to see these. So there's like three films of this caliber. Uh-huh. Um, it's called well, the Cornetto Trilogy. Right. Um, and I, I just they just don't look like my kind of films. And people keep saying, no, 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 you got to see them. You got to see them. And I'm like, man, I just uh, – oh, no, I don't want to see them.
0: <laughs> I but mean I'm, I'm not typically somebody who goes to the theaters to see comedy films. But uh, here in his little – tidbit mikey mentions that it's it's not just about the laughs that american comedies typically go for because this is a uk made film um it it says it struggles with some familiar themes about lost youth and extended adolescence um and so that, do, that, that do, does sound a little bit more interesting and more character driven than a lot of the uh, comedy films you see in theaters yeah and led by simon Pegg. i mean he's pretty great
1: yeah, for sure. I mean, I certainly like Simon Pegg and anything that I've seen him in, so I should give it a chance. Here's yeah. one that I think I forgot to log, and therefore, because I kind of went back through my log of films, and, and this is where I, remember, my New Year's resolution is to do a much better job of logging the films that I've seen. Right. Um I think I forgot to log that I saw this one, because I think it would have made it into my top 20. I don't know how I would have squeezed it in, or what film I would have lopped off to get it <laughs> in there, Um but Much Ado About Nothing by Joss Whedon. Um, I... I I'm not like a big Shakespeare fan or whatever, but this, you know, and my wife really loved this film and it wasn't uh-huh. terrible. Uh, it, it was certainly unique and a unique approach to the uh, material kind of yeah, modern day, I, I, but kind of not.
0: I never got around to this, but, um, oh, it's I'm, worth I'm it. A, I, I like Shakespeare too. And, uh, I mean, something worth, jo- uh, something made by Joss Whedon is certainly worth giving a, a shot.
1: Sure. For sure. Um, and yeah, it's, it's very, very interesting. Um, and it has a lot of my uh, go-to actors that mostly I know them from TV, but, um, you know, right. like Nathan Fillion, uh, uh, oh boy, my, my mind is blanking here. Clark Gregg is in yes, it. Yes. Clark Gregg is in it. Um, boy, hang on, I'm pulling up the list cause my mind is blanking on the names of these guys. I mean, you see them all over the place. Um, let's see here, IMDB,
0: Alexis Denisoff, um, yes, Alexis Denisof.
1: Amy Acker. Thank you. You're you're bailing me out here.
0: <laughs> I don't recognize any of the other names, but yeah,
1: Amy Ecker, Alexis Densoff, Nathan Fillion, uh, Clark Gregg. Um, uh, who else? Oh, Sean Mayer. Uh, seems like oh, Tom Lank. Who else have we got here? Just looking to see. I know it seems like there was more, but I mean, yeah, a, a stellar cast for sure. Even with just those names that we just mentioned, I mean, it's worth seeing just for them because they're they're great. All of those are great actors. Yeah, for sure. All right. American Hustle. Uh, I haven't seen it. You haven't seen it. I know uh, we both are talking about seeing it. In fact, we're going to talk about it on the podcast next week.
0: Yeah. I'm looking uh, forward to it.
1: Yeah. David O. Russell. Uh, this is, this is uh, what Mike has to say about this film. This is his number eight. David O. Russell is now famous for giving us characters we love through the good times and bad. We just want to be on the journey. It's why this movie, which is not his best, is still so full of amazingly interesting characters and situations We just with just enough at stake to keep us wondering how things would pan out. So, um, yeah, American Hustle um, uh, has Jennifer Lawrence. She's been on an, uh, uh, an interesting journey this year. So, mm-hmm.
0: um, This is the same guy who directed Silver Linings Playbook that also starred Bradley Cooper and Jennifer Lawrence last year. Yeah, and, and I, uh, I
1: want to see Silver Linings Playbook. I just haven't been able it's to. It's excellent. I love Silver Lining's playbook, and he also
0: directed The Fighter with uh, Mark Wahlberg and Christian Bale and uh, Amy Adams, I believe. I I believe that's the right film that I have in mind.
1: Yeah. Number seven on his list is Gravity. Um, I I wish it were higher because it was my number one, Uh, but that's fine, Uh, and I do agree with what he says here. Outside of seeing it in IMAX 3D, I don't really have a lot of desire to see it again. And I I will own it because I like it so much, but it's not going to be the same. This is right. a film that you really do need to see in IMAX 3D. Well, in IMAX anyway, and and I, you know, I, I very rarely say that. You know, I I'm certainly, yeah. uh, I guess you would call me a cinephile or whatever. And I, I love going to the cinema, but I also like to sit at home and watch movies, and it's a different experience, but it's a good experience. I don't feel like this one will be be a good experience at home. Yeah, probably, it's not going to be nearly as immersive, and that's the issue. Yeah, well, I mean, it was just the way the film was designed. Its its sound design is designed to take. You know, I I have stereo. I don't even have surround sound because we have such a small house and we don't have a lot of uh, cash to spend on the entertainment system. Right. So I still have a stereo system. You know, oh, I've I probably just released a ter- terrible, dirty secret. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, our our TV is a thirty inch, uh, you know, flat panel LCD. It's not even a plasma. Um, so yeah, my point is that this film of all films, I mean, this is just designed to take, uh, advantage of the technologies in cinema in, in the theaters. Right.
0: It comes back to IMAX 3D this Friday and I'm really heavily debating going to catch it again while I still can.
1: Now, what I don't agree with him on is he says the story was a little too simple in retrospect, though it did raise a lot of good questions about how and why one should let go of their past. I I don't agree. I like, I don't I don't see how a story being simple is a point against a story if it's a moving story and if it's a poignant story and if it has good things to say and if it engages you. I don't find that to be something that would take marks off of a film, you know?
0: Yeah, I agree with you. Um, I. yeah, I mean, it is a simple story. It's it's not nothing that's overly complicated. You don't have to take notes to watch or to collaborate with friends to figure out what happened. It's 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 there in front of you, and you take away from it what they want you to take away. And uh, I think there's some pretty easy themes to take away from this film. So I agree with you there.
1: Yeah, uh, The Hunger Games: Catching Fire uh, is his number six. Uh, he saw. He says uh, one of only two films I saw this year where I immediately wanted to go right back into the theater and watch it again. And that, that's interesting that he says that. I mean, I get what he's saying. I did not, I, even though I loved this film, I did not want to go right back in and watch it again. It was very heavy. <laughs> I, was, I wanted to, I wanted to get a little distance from it and maybe go back and see it again, although I never did. But, uh, I get what he's saying. So, and, and I agree. Right. It's, it's, uh, mine, I believe I, did I put it in number three spot on my list?
0: Uh, somewhere up yes. there.
1: Four and a half stars, number three spot. Uh, what, do you have anything else to add to this one?
0: No, I mean, I definitely agree. Um, Hunger Games Catching Fire was an excellently made film, and it's got me even more excited for the third one.
1: Yep, for sure. Uh, number five, The Wolf of Wall Street, um, and, he's, and, he, and he makes a valid point. He says, many people I know who lambasted this film did so without watching it. Not only was this film laugh-out-loud ridiculous in showing the debauchery that the lifestyle of greed and one-upsmanship brings, but it leaves the viewer with some fundamental questions about the failures of the economic systems that are in place and the people who thrive in them. It has been a long time since a movie this long flew by because of such sharp storytelling. And I, it should be clear, when I critique this movie, and I have, I've, I don't know how much I've done it on the podcast. I Forgive me, I, I get confused about what I've done in writing and what I've said on the podcast and what I've said elsewhere. Um uh-huh. When I critique this film, I am simply critiquing the fact that by all accounts, it is um, essentially almost not quite. I won't I won't go as far as say it is a porno, but it is essentially I mean, like it's it's so full of sex and, and stuff like I, I just right. I can't bring myself to watch it. I'm not going to do it. And yeah, it, it's I mean, amazing to me from what we know about this film. And it was hovering on an NC-17 and they had to cut some scenes to get it away from NC-17 It's still from from the uh, from the accounts of people who are completely I would consider unbiased and who would like these films. I've heard people who say I would have still gone and seen it. I love it, but I still think it should have been rated in C-17. And I, I would agree. Like, what good is the rating system if a film this bad makes it through with just an R? Right. I don't know. I,
0: I I don't want to see this film because of all of the content that's in it, but I really want to see Leonardo DiCaprio, and so I'm, I'm really struggling with whether I want to sneak in and not review it, or you know, you know,
1: <laughs> not let people uh, know that you've gone and seen yeah, such a debauched I mean, film. Right. It. I mean, it's it is
0: a difficult sort of moral conundrum, I guess you could say. Yeah. Um, yeah. No. I, I, sure. I, I would like to see it because I do want to see. Uh, Leonardo DiCaprio's performance and uh, Jonah Hill's performance, I think both of them are nominated. And um, I, I want to be as informed on my Oscar opinions as I can be when I write my list, but uh, it's its just the content is something to struggle with.
1: I, I don't want to say that a film like this shouldn't be made. I don't want to say that you can't depict the debauchery. I just think there's a way to do it that doesn't also make you, the audience and the viewer, feel like you have now participated in that debauchery, that right. you have defiled your mind to such a degree. And I, I don't normally talk like this on this particular podcast, uh, but I will. As a Christian, I don't want to fill my mind with that garbage in that way. I I want to. Sure, it's it's okay to know. Guess what? This guy was a real guy uh or even if it's even if it's not a real story it's it's okay to know he was living a very bad lifestyle he was uh doing these debauched things i don't have to have it played out for me completely and totally like in in full view with full nudity i don't need that right that's that's where i'm coming from on this so i get what he's saying i know uh people who lambasted this film and they did so without watching it i get that and i'm i'm doing that from this angle I fully expect that the story of the film. I mean, this is Martin Scorsese for crying out loud. I want to see this film for the fact that it's Martin Scorsese and Leonardo DiCaprio, but right. I just can't do it. So, uh, anyway, that's that's my opinion, and I'm sticking to it. That's fair, yeah, for sure. So, anyway, I get why it's on his list, and I'm sure I, I'm sure if I could put aside those issues, if I did go see it, that it would be on my list as well. I'm, I have no doubt. Number four, her. Uh, that is the name of the film, her. And and this is one that I kind of want to see, but I, I go back and forth. I watch the trailers, I watch the clips that have been put out for it. And I'm like, this looks really cheesy. <laughs> but on the other hand, then you watch it and you're like, or I'm i, I watching a different mindset and go, oh, hmm, that's interesting. This this there could be something here. And I just and and ultimately like it would depend too on how this film ended. You know, what was the end game of dating a computer? (laughs) You know, I don't know. Uh, That's essentially what's going on here. So anyway, uh, he says, uh, Mike says, it turns out to be one of the most unique and interesting films of the year. Her manages to hit you on nearly every level and emotion. Joaquin Phoenix is also amazing in displaying the emotions of a character who is truly in the middle of a self-discovery. Letting go of his past, self-actualization, understanding the need for companionship. Her tells us a lot about ourselves that we probably aren't ready to listen to. Do you have any interest in this film?
0: I have a lot of interest in this film. I just haven't gotten around to go seeing, seeing it yet. So uh, as soon as I can, I'm in that I will.
1: That was one of the ones I was considering. And then I threw out the um, uh, American Hustle and you said, yeah, let's see that. And I wanted to see it. So that's what I'm going to do. But we may have an opportunity. I'm looking at the calendar here. Uh, we have so we have American Hustle coming up. We have uh, Lego Movie, Monuments Men, RoboCop. Man, we may not, too. I don't know. We'll have to see if we can squeeze her in here somewhere. Yeah, maybe sometime in February. We'll see. Yeah, we'll see. You're gonna like this one, Chad. Yeah. Number three, the way way back. This is your this, this is your film, man. Tell us a little this bit. This
0: was uh my top film on my list for twenty thirteen. And uh you know, when we talked about it on the podcast, Mikey hadn't seen it at that point, and he told me that he saw it shortly afterward, and he, he apparently loved it almost as much as I did. So Yeah, it's number three. Um, yeah, he, he said um I'll, I'll go ahead and read his tidbit. He says, small budget coming of age tales seem like a dime a dozen in most award years, but the simple yet powerful story that is told in the way, way back is one that is frighteningly relatable. It doesn't hurt that Sam Rockwell and Steve Carell deliver some incredibly surprising performances to throw us into a world of a fatherless teenager. And I, I completely agree with uh, what he said there. And I think that also worth noting is Liam James who plays uh, Duncan the lead character he, he, he delivers a great performance here as well yeah and um, I think this movie is charming on just about every level and I I haven't tired of it yet
1: for sure yeah and I I, uh, I want to go back and see it again I've only seen it the one time uh, and I uh, I saw it I'm trying to remember I, I can and this is my old man brain working again I can't remember if I saw it <laughs> with or without my wife and I think she would like it so I should I should probably definitely rent it for her but and there's a lot of films on my list to see this year um, just for instance uh let's see movies to watch there it is i want to see the original robocop before i go see the new robocop which comes out on february 12th so we're closing in Uh you know so that's going to have to come first but yeah i I definitely want to see this again number two on mike's list pacific rim
0: this one surprises me um i mean granted i never saw pacific rim uh i would like to i just never got around to it i was traveling when it was released in theaters and uh You know, while I have heard that some people did really enjoy it, I'm just surprised to see it rank so high above so many other good films on Mikey's list.
1: Yeah, I am not, because um, I talked to to Mike about this film uh, on the podcast. In fact, I'm going Uh, to make a note to insert a clip right here of what he said about punching Michael Bay in the head.
0: (laughs) (laughs) One of my podcast friends who went to see it with me, um, he said that he felt... Like every time he watched a Jaeger punch a monster in the head, it was like Guillermo del Toro punching Michael Bay in the head and say, "That is how you make (laughs) action
1: movies." Um, yeah, I'm not surprised that he put it this high on the list. It would, you know, I think it it, is it on my list somewhere. It has to be because I Pacific Rim. Yeah, there is number twelve on my list. So yeah, that's that's fine. Um, I wouldn't rate it nearly as highly, but you know, this is such a subjective thing, and this is why we're talking about his list because it's another alternative opinion. And some films that we haven't seen. So, um, He says, I don't care what anyone says because this movie was awesome. Not only do we see humanity on the brink and the many different ways people deal with that, but this is a movie about giant monsters fighting giant robots to save the planet from destruction. And even with those two classic tropes, at no point did this movie feel silly or pandering. I wouldn't go that far. (laughs) I would consider this one of Guillermo del Toro's masterpieces. That I might agree with. But but yeah, I would I, w- I would not say that at no point did the movie not feel silly or pandering. I mean, there was a couple of times it's like meh for instance when he whips out that sword thing or when when uh, Mako, I think that was her name, she she has the robot whip out the sword thing, right? And it's like uh-huh. you couldn't have gotten that thing out, you know, <laughs> twenty minutes ago. Oh, I forget you haven't seen the film, but yeah. Anyway. That's whatever. You should see it for sure. Oh I I will. Yeah. Go, go rent it. It's probably on iTunes or Amazon or whatever. However it is that you, you kids watch movies these days. (laughs) Number one on Mike's list, 12 Years a Slave. And this is one I want to see. I wish I had seen, but I just haven't. Again, it's just so many movies to see, um, when you're on a budget. Right. So 12 Years a Slave, uh, you've seen this one though, so you can speak to this. Why don't you go ahead?
0: I have, um, I definitely agree with his assessment that it, it's, one of the better films of 2013. I didn't place it so high on my list. Um, uh, not because it isn't a great film. Isn't very well made. I gave it five out of five stars, but because, um, it is a little difficult to watch and it, it's not a film that you go to see, to enjoy. Um, but it is a very important film. I think, um, yeah. it's cause it is based on a true story. It's based on an actual autobiography written by this man named Solomon Northup. And, um, Chiwetel Ejiofor as Solomon delivers an incredible performance here. And I wouldn't be at all surprised to see him walk away with best picture at the Academy Awards. Um, And um, I I really like what Mikey said here about, um, he says he never felt that he was supposed to feel guilty for what befell Solomon. Um, But he did feel as if he had a glimpse into history and was completely immersed in that history by a strong script, fantastic directing and some of the most gut wrenching performances in 2013. And um I mean that that's all pretty spot on and um uh, while I think about it Lupita Nyong'o uh, plays a character in the film and she's nominated as well and I wouldn't be surprised to see her get the award either.
1: Yeah. And by the way, what's that film credit that we talked about a couple of weeks ago that got expelled uh, Armand White. Uh yes. he, he he that was his problem with this film and one of his problems was that it that it never made white people feel guilty. Uh, really? Oh yeah.
0: <laughs> oh okay. I mean, uh, it's not like we did it, but
1: yeah, I know. And that's, that's, that's such a touchy <laughs> subject too, you know, because yeah. you're not supposed to say that Chad, um, um, you know, you're supposed to feel bad. You're, you're a bad white person and you should feel bad. <laughs> and and I get it. Look, I, I, right. I, I think slavery was a terrible, awful thing in this country. Right. I, compl- I completely, I and, completely, and I have, uh, I have uh black folks who are good friends of mine and oh. I, I feel bad that they're, uh, they're, great grandfathers and their grandfathers had to go through that that that's that's um that's heart-wrenching to me but at the same time i i I definitely resonate with what mike says here where he never felt was made to feel guilty and so many so many times when you read about these sorts of things or you watch films about these sorts of things you are made to feel like you should feel guilty and i i you know and I'm not saying racism isn't still a problem in this country because it can it can certainly be. I've been yes. blessed in my lifetime not to know very many racist people, and I've only run across a few. But um, it does happen, so I'm not saying that either. So, you know, everybody's going to pull sound clips from this podcast. If I if I if I had any notoriety on the internet, people would pull sound cl- sound clips from this podcast and pay, paste them all over and talk about what a racist I was. But you know, there's <laughs> my opinion. Uh all right. Well, we should move on from this. That was fun to look to look at and dissect somebody else's list since we've already done ours. Yeah. You know, we haven't done a trailer bite in a while, and we don't have a trailer bite today. But there was one trailer I wanted to mention, Chad, because this was pretty cool. In fact, I'm gonna um, I'm gonna play a clip. Uh, insert marker because I don't have the sound hooked up for that. But I'm gonna uh, play a clip from uh, Disney's Maleficent uh, trailer, uh, which which is set to um, the, the the classic tune. In uh, Sleeping Beauty, that that uh, that Aurora sings, but sung by uh, Lana Del Rey. Well, well. Real, it's true that all see. did you get a chance to watch this
0: i did you know the the song is it, it's definitely a creepy new arrangement and i think it sort of gives us a good taste of the sort of theme of this film or maybe not the theme but the feel of it um so th- that'll be interesting to see how they turn that perspective.
1: Yeah. Oh, I, I don't think I mentioned the name of the song I was looking for, it, and it was right up there in the title. I was like, I know, I put it in here somewhere. It's "Once Upon a Dream." Yes. You know, and it, it takes on you know in in the film in in the in the original Sleeping Beauty, the animated film, it has a very dreamy kind of happy you know Disney feel to it. Right. Not in this trailer. Not sung by Lana Del Rey. Um, she, uh, she really gives it a creepy haunting and they've got kind of some of the minor chords coming in where there should be major chords and it really gives it a creepy feel. You probably Especially know more about Especially since
0: it's that. sung so low in her, uh, vocal range.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I really like this trailer. This is the first trailer that really got, oh, I'm going to have to see this. And I don't even like my, my, my big question here is where are they going with this? Because yeah. they're made, they're making Maleficent to be the star but we know she's evil and we know she's bad, and so at the one at the same time I feel bad thinking, Oh, I really want to see this now, because I feel like they're probably going to de villainize Maleficent to some extent.
0: Yeah, the sort of uh, view I'm getting from the trailers so far is uh, that it's almost going to be like Wicked, where you see the origins of the Wicked Witch of the West before she was the Wicked Witch of the West and mm. see how she grows into that character as we know her. And I I'm almost feel like Disney's trying to do the same thing here with uh, Maleficent.
1: Yeah, it's a little odd, but I'm I'm definitely in. I mean, and I I wasn't expecting to be this you know this uh, bought in until I saw this trailer. I'm like, okay, yeah. we're gonna we're gonna I, have to see this.
0: <laughs> I've been pretty excited and pretty interested in this film. The only thing about this this particular trailer that sort of caught me off guard are the weird uh, giant CGI plant or tree people things that you I, see moving around. I it that was seems a little cool. I, they are a little cool, but I, I'm just curious to see what uh, what exactly those things are and. I don't know. It caught me off guard, I guess is all I wanted to say about that.
1: Okay. All right. Well, that's, uh, that's that. I'm excited to see what that is. And, uh, let's see, when did I put May 30th is when that comes to theater starring Angelina Jolie as Maleficent. Uh, Charlotte O'Copley is also in this L fanning as Aurora, uh, Sam Riley, Imelda Staunton, uh, who we know as, uh, oh, Umbridge, Umbridge, Professor Umbridge, uh, you know, with her simpering little laugh and, uh, right. Juno Temple, oh my goodness, I made such a huge mistake. I didn't even catch that. Doggone it. I did not include a, and as stickler as I am on this, I did not include an Oxford comma in this list.
0: Oh no, <laughs> TJY.
1: Oh, it's awful. Uh, Juno <laughs> Temple and Leslie Manville. Yeah, I just gotta fix that. Okay. <laughs> oh, and I wanted to make a note. Insert, uh, insert trailer sound clip Okay All right so that is the Maleficent trailer really looking forward to that Now did you get yeah. through all of our next all the clips from our next segment
0: All of them except for one so good enough
1: You and you watched the featurette cuz that was awesome I did That featurette's <laughs> awesome Yeah We're talking about the upcoming Lego movie and there's nine clips and a featurette in this article This will also be in the show notes of course as you can always find uh things that we talk about in the show notes at this particular episode, moviebite.com slash mbpodcast slash 77. I highly recommend this. I'm pretty pumped for this movie. Um, I was a big fan of Legos as a kid. Like I, my entire life revolved around bikes and Legos. Uh-huh. and uh so yeah i mean this, so this is a major part of my childhood um and i i don't know though like because i look at these legos uh, these kids have today and i look at the legos in this um in these trailers and in these clips and i'm like i didn't have legos like that i had the blocks <laughs> that you put together and you build things with i didn't have all these cool accessories and batman and i don't know maybe i just my parents just never got me any of that stuff or maybe it didn't exist when i was a kid in the 80s i don't know
0: yeah, I mean, aside from a few vehicle kits that I had when I was a kid, I, most of my Lego sets have been Harry Potter related. <laughs> of um,
1: course, because you grew <laughs> up in the uh, '90s.
0: Yep, uh, oh. '90s and early 2000s. Right. Yeah. Yeah. When yeah. the films started getting made.
1: Yeah, yeah. When did the first one? Was that '99 uh, when the first one? Two thousand one. Two thousand one. Okay.
0: November two thousand one. Yeah, I can never never remember for sure. Yeah.
1: Yeah, that um, was not part of my childhood, although I'm a big fan of Harry Potter. but um, Yeah,
0: and uh, I do have to say, right next to me on my desk, I have the Back to the Future Lego DeLorean set that I haven't put together yet. Of course you so. do. <laughs> of course you do.
1: You know, uh, it's, it's a so, shame you were not on the show when we talked about that.
0: I I communicated with y'all through the live chat when I y'all remember, had that feature. I remember.
1: yeah. You were the only one on the live chat that day. That's why we eventually shut the live chat down is because nobody, nobody cared.
0: Yeah. <laughs> well, maybe I mean, we'll, we'll have to revisit it sometime. So day when, when MovieBite is a, a massive
1: bit. empire with, with, uh, reach across the globe, <laughs> uh, then people will come. I mean, cause look, I'm, I'm big into podcasts and I've listened live to podcasts that I like a handful of times because I just, I understand like the reason I like podcasts is the same reason I like Hulu and is because it's uh, media when I want it right so anyway I completely understand so that's why we that's why we killed that feature uh several months back but right anywho uh so definitely check this out this this will be linked up in the show notes I really like uh what they're doing with Batman here <laughs> he's like yeah he's you know he like throws those the the things you know ten or fifteen of those uh bat boomerang things and he's like and then he finally hits the thing he's trying he's like First time.
0: (laughs) (laughs) What I think I really like about the uh, this film so far, just based on the trailers and on the featurette, are it's almost a Muppet esque kind of humor. Yes, Uh, It's the same sort of tongue-in-cheek. We're making jokes about ourselves, except it's almost on a broader scale here because you are taking well-established characters like Batman from DC Comics and then Wonder Woman's in there. And then, of course, you've got Morgan Freeman uh, who has a particularly funny bit in The Featurette. Um, And one of my favorite jokes from the clips that I watched is when uh, the main character Emmett wakes up and he has an instruction booklet on how to uh get people to like you or something like that. And that's I mean, you think to yourself, oh, that's just like Lego sets. They they come with the instruction booklets. Uh uh at least that's what it made yes. me think yeah. of. Yeah, oh definitely I thought it was definitely hysterical.
1: I never read them much, but <laughs> <laughs> Tell me tell me you didn't. You did, didn't I, you? I did for cars. Okay. When I was building cars as a kid. I'm looking for oh man, the production budget for the Lego movie is not available. But what you said just now Really made me think. Well, they, man, they must be spending a fortune to get all these characters and stuff in this film, like Batman, you know, because yeah. of licensing and stuff. But I can't. There's no. I can't find the production budget information anywhere yet. So it's just too early, I guess. We normally yeah. do eventually find that out. Oh, get this. Okay, so cast: Will Arnett, Batman, uh, and uh, of course Bruce Wayne. Elizabeth Banks, uh, Allison Brie, David Burrows, Anthony Daniels as the voice of C three PO. Oh really? Keith that's Ferguson exciting. is the voice of Han Solo. <laughs> um. Anyway, so that's interesting. Um. The film does star Chris Pratt, Allison Brie, Elizabeth Banks, Will Arnett, uh, Will Ferrell, Morgan Freeman, and Liam Neeson, among many others. Channing
0: Tatum, Kobe Smulders, Jonah Hill. Yeah, don't care as much about those people, but yeah, they're Kobe all in Smulders there. Smulders was in Avengers. I know
1: she's fine. Okay, but she's less less well known. I guess. I guess if you've watched, which I haven't, but I guess if you watch How I Met Your Mother, you might be a bigger fan. I. She was fine, I did. but, you know. Anywho, so um, so check that out. That's in the show notes, and uh, that's pretty awesome. Very much looking forward to this. Let us get into our main topic. Okay. Six, five, continue, zero, three, zero,
0: we're still
1: a go. Alt. Yeah. Is that redhead a bridesmaid? Melissa? Cute one from the Coldplay concert. That's Melissa. Is she coming? She's a bridesmaid. Yeah. Is she coming? She's a bridesmaid. Yes. What did she ask about me?
0: A bad guy, senior Taliban commander, was a tier one target. Shaw
1: killed twenty Marines last week. We let him go. Forty more will die next week. Going in with Deets, Axelson, myself, Marcus. We have eyes on Shaw. A lot more than ten guys. It's an army. This is Spartan zero 01. Mike, it's
0: Danny, are you radio working? It's just Afghanistan. That's all. Why is Murphy calling on a satellite? It's a bad spot. Let's fall back to that tree line. Wait till sundown.
1: All right, so the main topic this week is Lone Survivor. Um, it was opened in theaters on uh, December the 25th, 2013 in a limited release and it opened wide on January 10th, 2014 had a budget of 40 million opening weekend. It's limited opening weekend. It made $90,000 and then wide opening weekend made 37.8 million total worldwide gross now is 94.7 million. So not doing too badly. Right. Um Rotten Tomatoes says that while it may deliver its message of patriotism, courage, and sacrifice a tad heavy-handedly, Lone Survivor finds writer-director Peter Berg wielding enough visceral power to mitigate many of his movie's jingoistic flaws. I did not even notice that word before I read yeah, this. Yeah, I,
0: I looked it up, and it's basically chauvinistic or... Fanatically patriotic.
1: Okay, sure, that works. I don't know. How, I still don't know how to pronounce it, but G- <laughs> uh, J-I-N-G-O-I-S-T-I-C, For those of you who care, uh, course directed by Peter Berg, as we mentioned. Uh, writer Peter Berg, based on the book by Marcus Lut- Luttrell. Luttrell, Luttrell. Not sure how you say that. <laughs> I I've, I've see that you know there are a few people around that have that name, and I'm not quite sure how to pronounce it because you hardly ever hear it. Uh, starring Mark Wahlberg, Taylor Kish, Emil Hirsch, uh, Ben Foster, and Eric Bana. Tell us about the music, man. Um,
0: this, uh the score here is a joint effort between Steve Jablonski, who scored the uh, Transformers films, and Explosions in the Sky, which is apparently some sort of band that I am not familiar with, so I can't really tell you anything about them. You and- are
1: not familiar with the people who did this music? Uh, not with this particular
0: group. <laughs> and, okay. uh, admittedly I didn't, I, I haven't checked out the score, uh, other than the little bit that I heard in the film. And I can't even tell you much about that, but, um, I didn't hear anything that I didn't like. So I guess that's good to say. Yeah,
1: I found the m- music fairly unremarkable, but in any event, yeah. uh, the story is, uh, goes like thus, um, Marcus Luttrell and his team set out on a mission to capture and kill notorious Al Qaeda leader, Ahmad Shahad, I can't – I did not even remember if I heard that name in the film. I'm sure I did. In late June 2005, Marcus and his team are left to fight for their lives in one of the most valiant efforts of modern warfare. Chad, I want to say a couple of things at the outset before we get started here. I first want to say I'm very thankful for the men and women of the military and for their service. Regardless of what we say, what we like and we don't like about this film, I need to say that up front because I am going to say some things I don't like about this film. And it does not reflect at all on the real Marcus Luttrell for his service or any of the men and women of our military. Regardless of my political views on anything, I'm very thankful for the men and the women of the military. Seconded. So I just wanted, wanted to get that out up front so that we can hopefully uh, curtail any uh, any perception of us uh, railing against the men and women who give their lives and that sort of thing. I mean, uh, I hope it goes without saying that that's not the case as we review this film. Agreed. All right. What have you got to say about this film man? lay it out? I liked it overall. I mean, um, as we
0: mentioned, both of us mentioned last week, I don't think either of us particularly had this film on our radar. Um, We've only, we only sort of went to see it because uh, Corey wrote his review for the site, which was very positive and uh, four and, lots and a half stars. Points. Yeah, four and a half out of five stars is what Corey rated the film, and I know many of my friends, and I think uh, many of your friends uh, have all said great things uh, or said great things that, and we decided, okay, let's let's give this a shot. There's nothing else new that's coming out, um, and you know, I think going to see it whether i was super excited to see it or not i did walk away enjoying it a fair amount what about you
1: yeah i mean it, it is interesting you know talking about people who've enjoyed it and yes a lot of people have told me oh man it's a really good film you need to go see it um and and you know i've certainly have heard the the people talking about how anybody who who votes should go see this film before they so they can make proper voting decisions about how the president will treat our military blah 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 um uh-huh. and the tomato meter on Rotten Tomatoes uh, is it 74%, which is astounding to me for a war film of this of this type about a subject that's not very far removed and about political issues of which are still being talked about. Um, uh, you know, we, we have in office a president who promised and, and has failed to deliver an end to the violence in the Middle East. Right. I mean, so this uh-huh. is a very, um, a very kind of close to the uh, issues movie and yet right. it's at 74% on the tomato meter. That's crazy to me. And most of your most of your people who review movies uh are are ten, tend to lean liberal. So that's very surprising to me of a film like this to be rated 74%. Right. Very interesting. And then, and the audience loved it even more. The audience this thing is sitting at 90% right now. It just blows my mind that you know people go and they sit to this war movie. I mean and and they're rating it at 90%. It's quite amazing.
0: Yeah, it's pretty impressive. It's, and it says a lot for, I think, the production qualities of the film. And, uh, well, I mean, really, that, that's a lot of it, I think. I think that the film is very technically well-made, for the most part. Um, there weren't any camera techniques that I noticed uh, that like made me sick to my stomach due to shaky cam or excessive movement during the action scenes. Um, if, I, if I felt sick, it was for the, the actions that the cameras were depicting.
1: Right. No. And one of the in fact, the very first bullet point uh, on my on my list here is on my on my likes category is that it's a beautifully shot film. It is uh, it is surprisingly well shot for a war film. You know, uh, there's certainly I mean, you take, for instance, uh, I know it's not a war film. And I mean, it's really apples and oranges in one sense. But you've got this really high, uh, high moving, high motion film, uh, The Hunger Games, uh, which came out a couple years ago or a year ago. Uh I don't remember when it was the first one. And not only were The Hunger Games, you know, shaky cam, hard to follow, make you sick to your stomach, but the entire film was shot in that way. This film is not. When when you get to the war parts, yes, you know, things get a little crazy, but but where the camera needs to be steady and stable and where you need to get a sense of groundedness, it gives that to you. And he got some incredibly uh, well uh, composed shots in this film. Yeah. I, I was very impressed with the cinematography. Another, you know another one of my likes is that yes the the plot is is a bit unsophisticated and and yes very easy to predict but the complexity in this film because I do tend to like films that are a little more complex and the complexity in this film I think kind of resides in the morality of the film uh and and a it, it came to a stirring resolution of the film you know too to a um uh, a very moral morally driven film with a morally driven resolution, I think um was uh one of my uh great likes of the film yeah um, I think you know i I talked about
0: my sort of ambivalence toward this film, and once we decided we were going to see it and I was sitting in the theater waiting for it to start, i didn't think I was going to like it. I thought I was going to walk away uh, uh disappointed by it, and you know for the like maybe the first half. Uh, to maybe first third of the film, I didn't like it, I don't think. I, I thought that the beginning was one of the, uh, the probably the weakest part of the film. Yeah. Uh, but once this action sort of kicked in and we sort of get to spend or go through this really extremely rough experience for these characters, um, I think that's where the movie really picked up in its uh, quality overall. Um, and I think that the ending is very powerful and is probably the best part of the film.
1: Yeah, for sure. I would say the ending is the best part of the film. Um, I I really liked as well that this film does not toe the liberal line, but it also doesn't toe that conservative line either. Like, right. you know, your conservatives expect a certain type of war movie your liberals want certain political statements made in the war movie. And this film respects neither. And I like that about this film. Uh, the Taliban are presented as very bad guys, and that's good. Uh, And to some extent, Middle Easterners in general, which, you know, at first you're like, okay, not all Middle Easterners are like this, but the film deals with that too. Um, And Uh so I really appreciated that about it. I mean, you know, I I can't give too much away about how it deals well with the Middle Easterners because that would be spoiling it. But suffice it to say that I was very happy with where the film went in that regard.
0: Yeah, me too. Um, I'm trying to think if there's anything... That was sort of general that I
1: want to okay. mention. Well, while you're thinking about that, I, I just have uh, really one more bullet point on my likes, and that is that uh, it's it's realistic and shocking and a gruesome portrayal of war, and that's as it should be. Too often, I think, war movies predict – not predict. They they um, depict – that was the word I was trying to pull out of my brain. Uh, they depict uh-huh. this, this kind of um, uh, sentimentality about war, this kind of uh, – romanticism that that we we you know this testosterone fueled thing where war it's it's this romantic thing and it's this these guys are going out there and they're putting their all into it and they're they're winning for the team and 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 they're they're patriotic and they're rah-rah and and it's just you know it gets completely out of hand and it's not presented in a way that war should be presented And, and, and and this movie presents war for what it is, which is terrible, dreadful. Nobody should ever want to go to war. Uh, Agreed. War is not a good thing. And this movie presents it as such, and I was very happy to see that. Um, I I, uh, I get frustrated with anti-war people, don't get me wrong, because war is necessary at times. Uh, right. If somebody's invading your home, somebody's invading your land, somebody's invading your country, somebody's invading your state, uh, it can be necessary to go to war. But yet... When we when we view films about war, I think they should be like this one and show you this is not a good thing. This is real, and this is gritty, and people die, people get hurt, um, and it's not a romantic thing. So um, I'm waxing poetic and eloquent and, and <laughs> long-winded about something that I feel very strongly about, and, and that is that war should never be depicted as something that's desirable.
0: Yeah, I have uh, written in my film journal that this is not a fun watch by any extent of the imagination, not at any point. Um, But I do think that it is an important one, Uh, not in the same vein as 12 Years a Slave might be. But I do think that both have their merits and reasons why people should go see this film.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and, and despite the star rating that I'm going to give it when we get to that point, I do think that this is a film worth seeing for people, it, just for the reasons that I just mentioned, for the morality, as I mentioned earlier, the moral complexity of the film, and for its portrayal of war. I think it is I think it is a must-see.
0: Yeah, and I, I really enjoyed the four main cast members. What did you think?
1: Yeah, um, I, I, um, I traditionally have not been a big fan of Taylor Kitsch, but I have to say he did fine here. Uh, obviously Mark Wahlberg is the star. Yes. Uh, I found Eric Bana to be a bit flat as usual, yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, it was fine. It was fine. I, I was fine. And then the other two guys, I don't even know who they are, but they did fine as well.
0: Right. Uh, what other films have you seen Taylor in that you didn't like? Oh, you would ask me that, wouldn't you?
1: Cause I don't remember. <laughs> I um, mean,
0: did you see John Carter? No, I didn't. Okay. Cause I really liked him in John Carter. Um, uh, I'm trying to think of other films he's been in. He was in Battleship, which is yes, directed that was the, the one. Guy.
1: I, that's the one that was really coming to mind. That I really don't like is Battleship.
0: Oh well, yeah. I mean, you can thank the director for that one too. Yeah, thankfully he does a better better job this time around.
1: I guess it must be Battleship that's really coloring my perception because I don't. I have not seen my I mean, like. I apparently he was an X Men Origins Wolverine, and I don't remember him.
0: Yeah, he was uh, the. I, I don't remember the character's name, but he had the cards. I think. I maybe. Oh yeah, stuff yeah, up, yeah. Sure enough, he's, he's that guy.
1: No, yeah, he is that guy. Wow. Okay. okay that's okay. interesting. Huh. Okay. Yeah, I, I that completely fled my mind. I even watched the uh, X Men Origins Wolverine recently, and did not remember, did not, did not click with me. Well, anyway, that's uh, that's pretty much it for my likes. What, if you got anything else you'd like to mention before we talk about things that we might not like about this film.
0: Um. I just want to say that uh, Wahlberg's final moments uh, before – I mean, do we need to ring a spoiler bell or
1: – Yeah, let's do, it. tr- let's do it. Let's do it. This, is, this is, We're in spoiler territory,
0: people. Okay. Here spoiler we go. Spoiler bell. Ding, ding. Okay. Um, Mark, Mark Wahlberg's thank you uh, was my favorite part of the film. I think it – I mean, it's almost to the level of Tom Hanks' scene at the end of Captain Phillips. let's not get Um, crazy. No, no, no. I I, I did not say it's okay. I I maybe worded it wrong. (laughs) I think it's sort of in the same vein. Yeah, sure. It's got that same sort of feel where it carries an incredible uh, uh, emotional weight, and I, I think Mark Wahlberg pulls it off very well.
1: Yeah, it definitely does. I'm trying to remember at what point uh, it felt like somebody was cutting up onions in the theater and that may have been it. I don't remember. Um, but I think uh, that's the part that got to me the most. Yeah. Yep, for sure.
0: Um, and I'm trying to look through my list. I think that's pretty much all of my likes.
1: Okay. okay. Well, well, let's talk about the things that we uh, may not have liked about this film. I have a longer list of things I didn't like, unfortunately, <laughs> than things that I did like about this film. So... Um, um I I think at the outset I should say before we talk about the dislikes that again it's it's hard to mention the dislikes for a film that's supposed to be based on a true story but I feel like a lot of this could have been resolved in the writing and in, in the directing of the film um, right? and and so that's I think and and, and maybe some things I mean cuz not everything is worthy of being a film so maybe some of it is related to the real life storyness of it I don't know I I, I it is unknown to me uh-huh. But I do feel like this film now, – now, this is the sort of thing – this particular dislike is something I feel could have been avoided. Um, it didn't matter whether it was a real story or not. It feels worshipful. It feels a bit worshipful of the U.S. military. It feels a bit worshipful of Marcus Luttrell and his uh, cohorts. It just, in general, it feels a bit worshipful of of those things. I, I felt like they could have dialed it down a notch.
0: Okay. So the that word jingoistic that Rotten Tomatoes use. You, yes, you, sure. That's sort of the the vein you're
1: trying to describe. Yes, the ten dollar word that I don't know how to pronounce. That one. <laughs> that's the one. Yep, that's it. I can definitely see that. Um, and and that's I, mean, I mean part of that could be me. I will freely admit um, I don't necessarily like I like action movies as much as the next uh, guy or person or, or whatever. But uh-huh. I'm not necessarily into the testosterone fueled films that are purely you know the adrenaline rush you know testosterone guy movies i'm just not into those and this had uh-huh. a bit of that flavor just a, a little bit and so uh and i think that you know even more than that it was just worshipful and so i, I freely admit that I'm, I'm the wrong audience for this film for sure Uh huh. it freely admit that
0: yeah i think that sort of falls into my opinion of the first half of the film or however much it was, um, it felt like they were trying very, very hard to, um, tell us how bad a situation these guys were in. And, um, I mean, something that I really noticed was they were frequently showing these very wide scenery shots, Mm -hmm. which were fine. But I think the, the main goal behind those, and they did this frequently was to contrast the poor plight of these soldiers with the uh setting that they're in
1: Does yeah that make sense? Like, yeah there's it, there's it, no hope of of rescue at this point you know there's right, no hope of of getting out of this there's no hope about running it they're surrounded they're they're on a mountain they have nowhere to go yeah definitely they they it felt like they were going there a bit too much for sure
0: right i mean i i don't i don't know i couldn't even count how many times they did that it was just like uh look how pretty this scenery is
1: right right
0: oh these guys are about to die. So you should feel guilty for lacking that scenery.
1: Yeah, you're bad
0: and you should feel bad. Yeah. And, uh, that, that's what I think it, uh, I didn't like about the first half as much. I think once the action started, it toned that down a little bit and it was more about the characters and, um, the situation they were going through in the moment. That was the focus.
1: Yeah, and and kind of go along, to go along with that um, where you're talking. Just you you mentioned in passing that the, the beginning. Uh, I think you said it felt kind of slow to start up or whatever. Uh-huh. And and I I felt uh, a couple of things about the beginning of the film. One, I felt that the opening footage of the real life stuff going on felt needlessly manipulative. Like oh, we were yeah. we were gonna get all of that in our own way with the characters. We didn't need the and this. I think I guess this really is an extension of my worshipful point. We didn't uh-huh. need this real life footage of of the, kind of to manipulate our emotions into the right frame of, of mind before we watch the movie. I, I, right. I felt like I, I don't like feel like I'm being led by the nose. And that's kind of what I felt when I saw that.
0: Yeah, I think that the better starting place for the film would have been the first time we hear Mark Wahlberg's voiceover Absolutely, um, and, and we see him being rescued. I think that should have been the starting point for the film because everything before that, not only was it manipulative, but I felt it was unclear what they were trying to manipulate us to feel. I didn't know if they were just trying to show us that the soldiers were working hard, that they were mistreated by the military system, that the training was, uh, super rigorous or that they were super tough or that they had this strong brotherhood or if they were just trying to communicate all of those things all at once. And I felt like it was very heavy handed.
1: It was, yeah, it was definitely heavy handed for sure. Um, And then it just spent way too much time lovingly showing us just how lovingly much these lovingly people lovingly care about their families and they lovingly, lovingly, lovingly care about their families. And this guy is going to buy his wife an Arabian horse and loving this and lovingly. And this guy is uh, he's talking about how his wife is going through the house. And like it just at some point it got to be too much. And I felt I kept wondering when the movie was going to start. Like in right. uh, in you know even once we got out to the field it's like um what what are we doing is, is this going anywhere I mean right. I, I'm not one to 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 say rush the plot but I I really felt like it just spent way too much time in setting up a story that we you know we get it we we understand right. these are real human beings like, again and this goes. Back to the needlessly manipulative part, I think it goes right along with it. And maybe I would have felt less like this about the rest of that if that first part of the film hadn't been there. But as it was, it just felt like, okay, you really, really, really want us to like these people way too much. If I don't come to that conclusion on my own, then you've got a problem here.
0: Right, I think they could have done that a whole lot more subtly. I think that they, including it, was fine. But um, they could have just done like this camera pan of each person's bed and the sort of memories of home or of loved ones at home that they have I think they could have just oh look at this person sleeping look at the place where he's at but look what he's thinking of okay let's move on to the story yeah Um, they didn't have to have these conversations with each other I mean maybe that's them trying to show that these men are trying to make their best of the situation they're in and I don't know I I I like that they included a little bit of it, but I or I like they, that they included it, but I wish they had just included a little bit of it.
1: Yeah, I mean, it just felt like too much. Uh, I'm not right. saying that, that that the real life aspect of it shouldn't be included. It's just that at some point you're like, right. okay, fine, we get it, we're smart, <laughs> you know, <laughs> um, yeah, and uh, yeah. So I mean that that first act is just really boring and stinking boring, as I wrote in my notes. Um, <laughs> So that that that's uh that's kind of a major complaint for me. It just took too long to to, to really get it going get the movie going.
0: Yeah. What else didn't you like, TJ? I, I've pretty much said everything that really bothered me about it.
1: Uh, I'm not done yet. Uh, so, <laughs> so so buckle in. The second okay. act is pretty much a non stop firefight. Uh huh. And that's just way too long for a non stop for a firefight of any kind. And this is told, I mean, it's just nonstop and it, and there were a couple of times, and I appreciate what the director was trying to do here, what Peter Berg was trying to do here when he did it, but there were a couple of times when you think, okay, they're settling down, they're gonna get a chance to to figure something out, and then boom, you know, the explosions are going off again. And I felt again like, oh man, um, too long, too much. Uh, we get it. They right. you, you know, um <laughs> let let them, we already know there's only gonna be one survivor, let one of them die already. You know, right. <laughs> why? Why are we? Still, and you say you look at your watch. Well, or the um, uh, metaphorically, you look at your watch and your mental <laughs> brain and you go, they're all four still alive. We know there's only going to be one survivor. How long am I going to be at this theater? Right. <laughs> and know? I think
0: it's probably the firefight that was the most exa- exaggerated part of the real life story. Um, Yes. I I did some reading behind it, and I mean it's sort of disputed how many fighters actually showed up from the Taliban to take these guys down. Um, I've seen as few as five uh, from one account and as many as 50, and I think that's the – they definitely went on the extreme side of that.
1: Oh, there were more than 50
0: from what I saw. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, So I mean I think they, they could have minimized that a little bit and gotten the same effect.
1: And, and interestingly, as much as I liked the cinematography in other parts of the film, and even sometimes uh, in 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 the nonstop firefight, there were times and it was just very hard to follow. Like it wasn't like super shaky cam, but it was like badly choreographed or something. Like I couldn't uh-huh. like wait, whoa, how did that person get there, and why is this thing happening? And and I know that it can be done in a way that I can follow because it's happened before. But modern movies, I tend not to be able to follow in that way. And this was one of those a lot of times. Right. And then uh, you've already kind of touched on this. Some of the military violence, it was filmed and presented in such a way as to be completely unbelievable. The, the case in point is when they're falling down the mountainside and, and you know, and a couple of the guys land on their backs in the way that it was shot. It's like there's no way they get up and walk away from that. And they did. Right. And they did. You, you know, they they were, you know, in pain and everything. But it's like, no, that guy just broke his back. <laughs> No, right. he can't get up. And eventually, you know, <laughs> obviously, we're not spoiling anything. It's the name of the film, Lone Survivor. Eventually, they do start dying. Uh-huh. Um, but, but speaking of which, what was with – why did they keep cutting to the guy who went down first, who was up at the stuck up at the top of the mountain still? Like, they because kept cutting. he was looking at the color catalog
0: that his wife was picking – Yes, paint but colors but from.
1: the way that they kept doing it. I thought he was going to do something that was vital that would allow one of the guys to survive. Like he was going to yeah, kill I, one of the guys. I kept thinking there's something more here and I never went anywhere with that. I'm like, the, what?
0: Yeah, I kept thinking maybe he's going to bring out his handy dandy pistol.
1: Exactly. Precisely. and
0: At least take out one guy uh, sort of like Boromir or something.
1: Yeah. <laughs> uh, Boromir took out more than one guy in his death. Right. But- yeah, I, I I did. I mean, it did have that feel, and then it just like didn't go anywhere. I'm like, okay, that's a little odd. Uh, you know, okay. Uh, uh-huh. So anyway, but that that's that's it. That's that was my last bullet point. So. Bottom line for me is that the film is a must see because of the way it depicts the morality, because of the way it depicts war, and because of the moral choices these guys made. I mean, we really didn't even talk about the moral. Cho- I mean, and this is also in the trailer, so we're also not spoiling anything right. in that way. They made a, a choice, you know what? Or, or the 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 uh, commander did uh-huh. because there was an argument, and then finally said, "This is not a democracy. I'm selling you. We're, we're we're letting these guys go." They're shepherds. Now we know they're going to go run straight to the village and let the Taliban know we're here. But they're unarmed uh, civilians; they're not combatants, and we can't, right. you know. And they could have easily, and, and it probably would have been justified by them and by the military and by everybody else if they had killed them and gone on with their mission. And probably nobody would have said anything to them. Uh-huh. But they made a moral choice; they they made ch- the right choice, and they uh-huh. and, and three of them died for it. And right. I um I I think the film was a must-see just for that. I, I completely will concede that point. Even even though I rate it three out of five stars.
0: Okay. Um I, I rate it a little bit higher than TJ. I rate it four out of five stars. Uh, with my bottom line being that it this this movie makes me extremely thankful for our military men. Um if if there was anything that I took away from this film, that was it. And it's what I thought about on my way home. Uh, in the car, it's not perfect, but if you can stomach it, it's, uh, I do think it's important and I do think that you should see this film.
1: Yeah. And I, like I said, I think you should too. It's, it's not one that I'm probably going to have on my shelf, but it's Me one either. that I'm glad that I saw. So, right. If that makes any sense, I, you know, try to make sense out of that and reconcile it <laughs> with my star rating. If you can, it, it doesn't make any sense. <laughs> All right. Well, I think that's uh, that's a wrap for this one. Um, we're going to talk about American Hustle next week. I'm not quite sure what to expect from this film. I hear it's good. Um, the R rating. Uh, you know, we'll see how that goes. But uh, we're going to see it. We're going to talk about it. I'm excited. Yeah, I know you, you. You're wanting to see this more than I am. Yeah, I, I only kind of want to see it. You really want to see it. So, uh, and it is an Oscar nominee. So we might tr- we might try as we have time to work our way through those. We'll see how that goes. The the ones that we haven't seen yet. So, Worse for me, yeah. So, Chad, Mister uh, Navy Seal, the Movie Bite Military Team. <laughs> where can people keep up with you? Where can they Where can they find out about your heroic efforts? <laughs> you
0: can read my heroic movie reviews, I suppose, at ChadLikesMovies dot com. You can follow my personal updates on Facebook at facebook.com dot slash Chad Hopkins, or on Twitter at twitter.com dot com slash chadadada c h a d a d a d a.
1: Yes, I have have exercised extreme restraint on that this year. (laughs) Um, You can follow me uh, at uh, twitter.com slash TJDraperPro. Uh, Twitter is made for following people publicly, so that's that's what I tell people to do that at. Um, I do have a Facebook account, but I'm not going to give that one out for public consumption because I just don't do that anymore. And I don't know why I'm telling you that because I don't care. <laughs> uh, you can follow my uh, writing at uh, moviebyte.com. It's where I write a little something about movies and movie news and do reviews and post podcasts and all kinds of stuff. Uh, and we do that every weekday. There's always something new on Movie Byte every weekday, uh, even if it's only one or two things, at moviebyte.com. Uh, you can find the show notes for this episode at moviebyte.com slash mbpodcast slash 77. Uh, it's where you can find the links to all the things we talked about and uh, check those things out. See the clips of the Lego movie, highly recommended. Um, you can catch up with the IMDb page and the Box Office Mojo page and all that good stuff in the show notes as well. Well, that's it for this week. Thanks so much for listening. Your uh, support and listening to our show means a lot. And if it and if it uh, meant a lot to you as well, take the time to go over to iTunes. Type in Movie Byte in the search box in the iTunes store. We'll come right up. We'll pop right up there in the search results, and you can give us a five-star rating. We accept no less. (laughs) Well, thanks for listening. We'll be with you again next week. Bye, everybody.